This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project that features artists and arts professionals discussing their work, ideas, and lives, offering listeners a forthright and unique understanding about the process, experiences, and people behind the artistic pursuit. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, long-form, and unscripted. Deep Color is independently produced and a free resource for listeners. You can learn more about this project and the artists featured by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also access the archive of past recordings, find links to contributing artists' websites, check out the shop, and make a donation through the support page. Be sure to share this project within your community and rate and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Your continued belief in Deep Color is incredibly important, and I thank you for your support. This episode profiles Libby Rothfeld. Libby makes conceptually driven sculpture that often combines found objects, photography and drawing, and built wood structures that have been covered with banal hardware store tiles and kitchen counter laminate. Her most recent works feature the numbers two and five as monuments, individually sitting on top of tiered platforms that are complete with trash compartments, plastic bins, and salt and pepper shakers that one might find at a flea market. Neutral and subdued colors like beige and khaki, or post-it note yellow, are consistent throughout her work and formally bridge the many disparate but specific elements together. Libby's work can feel familiar and unexpected all at once, and surrounds ideas connected to hierarchies and the collisions between taste, choice, and identity. We recorded this conversation at her studio in the Maspeth section of Queens. that's life sometimes right i learned an interesting fact Mm -hmm. and i wanted to share it let's see let's hear it uh considering the the museums that we have access to in Mm -hmm. the uh in new york city here what's your guess as to which one is the most accessible for people with disabilities the guggenheim the guggenheim incorrect what i learned is it's the intrepid really yeah and for listeners that don't know what the intrepid is it's a um, aircraft carrier that has been decommissioned and docked on on the Hudson River that and turned into a museum. You know, I, that's where I, my number one destination place I haven't been to in New York is. Is that right? I want to go so badly. Right. More than anywhere. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, it was such a, like a paradox in a lot of ways because I think an uh, aircraft carrier is, there's not much space. I mean, right. there is, but it's like tight, you know, at least from Hollywood, I see like a uh, you know, sailors and people that that are stationed on aircraft carrier, like working like through these tight hallways right. and stuff. What makes it so much more accessible than anywhere else? Veterans. Oh right. Veterans of with disability. They've designed oh, that place so that all right. the veterans that visit that place um, can get on. Just a bunch there. of artists like me wanting to. Go. Yeah right. And uh, I thought about that, and I was like, that is fascinating, and almost offensive that the renovated MoMA and the brand new Whitney are behind the Intrepid in terms of um, accessibility on that level. Well, there's that whole library in Long Island City, I think, that's just been under construction for so long because they made the whole thing completely inaccessible to people with disabilities. Yeah. Like, no, you can't go get a book out, which is insane. If you're, you're like... How did they not? How did? How does someone get picked to be the architect on something and then not think about? That? Yeah, especially in a, in a city of eight million people. I know. Gosh. And also that we're just like in like 
neo-progressive politic yeah. world right now? How does that happen? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, you know, last time I was over here, I, I think I asked you what type of artist you like title yourself as or, mm. or, or identify as. And the thir first thing you said was, uh, I make conceptually driven work. And that leads me down the rabbit hole of ideas yeah. and how we cultivate an idea and develop an idea and then realize an idea. And that's something I'm excited to talk to you about in mm -hmm. terms of the thinking time that we put into these mm -hmm. objects that you make. Um, can you talk about how you kind of bubble up the things that make an idea worth pursuing? I think sometimes I think I start things and it's just there because the questions the questions are there and I don't know the answer to them in some ways. Right. So I'm making something around this sort of question problem. or problem or thing that I subconsciously think about all the time and not even necessarily for my artwork, just that's what I think about. Um, and it kind of comes out. And I think a lot of my work starts somewhere, but sometimes it goes to something it turns into something completely different yeah yeah identify with that yeah. uh, i have like a an idea of what this the form will look like right um and then it's a the 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 problem is trying to get that out of my mind onto the canvas or whatever it is and work surface i'm working on and it rarely matches up what right it, you know there's all these changes that take place um so I, I you know those sort of forks in the road are yeah a common thing. Or, or it's like as you're i mean i think sculptures just or when i make sculpture it's so much slower that i start to answer the questions or the questions change as i'm doing it which can be a uh, struggle because then the thing is changing and it's taking forever yeah and da, da, yeah da, da, da. do you have a sense along the way when an idea is good yes yeah yeah can do you can you sort of do you have any analysis behind that like I think it's just that I'm obsessed with it or I like I, I just want to do it or I want to see it or um, I want to talk about it you know or have the conversation um, and that I get excited when I explain it or I'm looking at the thing that or that even I'm looking at my work and I don't really know the answer to what it's asking mm -hmm. um, but yeah and and it's not it, like I, I think that there are general concepts behind certain things um, but then they all ultimately have these sort of like more nuanced ideas on top of them that are more complex in some ways. Yeah. Do you subscribe to this idea that ideas lead to other ideas? I mean, that's sort of what sure. you just described, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I'm a big believer in that. Um, one thing will lead to the next and another door opens and so yeah. on and so on. Yeah. Yeah. What about bailing on an idea? Giving up? Yeah. I when mean, to, I've... When to toss it? I've given up on work... Um, a lot. I've like I've definitely made and unmade things. I was actually looking through a bunch of stuff. I often I like look at my hard drive. I'm like, why did I throw that out? Why did I destroy that? Why did I throw that out? Like images of old work. Yeah, yeah, all the time. I'm like, I like, what did I see that I either don't see now or see now that I didn't see then? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the difference in my head or my life or my thought process that I you know it's it's interesting. Yeah, like, that sounds like good reevaluation though yeah uh looking at old work and trying to parse out right why you decided that wasn't going to survive versus this one i mean i think it's also it's more it's um emotional or personal yeah. or or not that the work is it's just my feeling about it or and having to be associated with it or something mm -hmm. 
do you workshop ideas with peers, friends, other artists? I mean, when, when, at what point yeah. in this process do you bring other people in? Um, I think when, if at all. I do, I, I, I talk to friends and other artists who are friends. I, I think when I start to see something happening, I show someone or ask them what they think. I mean, with the work that is in my studio right now, I talked a lot about it with people because it was, I worked on it for a really long time and it really confused me for so long. And uh, I just didn't know what I was looking at and I needed someone else to see it too. And Yeah, they, they become invisible. They become invisible, but then I also don't know if I see something, like what am I seeing that they're not seeing or are they seeing something I don't see or are we seeing the same thing and they're just, I, you know, it gets so abstract and then yeah. eventually I just have to ask myself if I feel like it feels right. Yeah. And if it's, if it's asking the right questions that I want asked. Yeah. I'm just curious, like what sorts of feedback or, or suggestion or recommendation some of your friends that came through had for you that might, may have helped. I mean, or hurts. Yeah. I mean, I'm, sometimes I think when I have, this, you know, friends come over to my studio or artists I trust or non-artists that I, whose point of view I mm -hmm. respect and want, they'll offer me something that completely derails me. Mm. Um, and I have to make a, a choice if, uh, as to whether I should ignore this person who I trusted or consider it in such a way that it's going to alter the scope of the thing I'm working on. Yeah. So I'm just wondering like if there's any moments like that and what sorts of things are said that lead right. to that. I think it's generally like I'm in denial, like <laughs> something's not working, but I really don't want to think that's true. And then someone says something about it and then I'm like, okay, it really isn't working. I have to deal with it. But then if there's something that I think is working and they're like, I don't know about that. I generally am like, I don't care. I think it works. And I know how long this stuff takes. I don't give a shit anymore. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I think a lot, a lot of us in this pursuit, mm -hmm. um, making art and and being an artist, uh, I think by design we are thinking about ideas all the time, mm -hmm. and good ideas kind of sort of pop up when you least expect it, right. expect them to. Sometimes I think that the things that I do to prepare for a day in studio allow me to find ideas i'm better prepared because I'm, I'm less distracted by these tasks or other things around me i'm wondering if there are things that you do to prepare yourself for a clean day of thinking if right. i can put it that way yeah which is one is cleaning um even though i don't do it a lot i it always is extremely helpful but i'm so impatient that um cleaning seems like it takes too long and i don't want to do it but mm -hmm. it is extremely helpful and i can see things a lot clearer um, I think also just not being in the studio for a few days is helpful. Yeah. To just unsee whatever you saw and then resee it over again, like restart. Time away is incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, I'd like to talk about, I guess the, in the ingredients of your practice mm -hmm. uh, and, um, the different disciplines that you incorporate in here. Okay. Uh, um, as I know your work and you can, add on to this small list that I want to sort of mm -hmm. blurt out here, but there's, there's elements of sculpture and construction in here. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, th like working in three dimensions is important. Photography is important. I know that you write mm -hmm. and, and writing probably plays a role in how, how you think about this stuff in here. Uh, am I leaving anything off that list in terms of the ingredients of, of your, of your Collecting. practice? 
collecting. Yeah. In what way? Tell me about that. Um, I collect a lot of objects I either find on the ground, like trash, or um, stuff I, I get at sort of thrift stores or junk stores. or um, and, I, and some of these things I've, I have had for years that just sit in my studio. I have, I have these um, tabletops from Taco Bell that they were throwing out, I think, in like 2009. Mm-hmm. And they're still here, and I've moved them like five times. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to use them, but every time I try to throw them out, I can't. So I just have them. I'm looking at them. They're sticking. There they're might be use. Yeah. They're yeah. See the laminated? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's great. That yellow. <laughs> yeah. That Subway yellow. Yeah. Or Taco Bell yellow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, collecting. So, and oh, images online. I'm constantly collecting stuff from either like extracting them from weird articles or, you know, um, anything just like the sides, the advertisements on the side of the computer and blah, 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 yeah. all that stuff. If it's an image coming from online, I mean, uh, more often than not, that's a, a photograph of some sort. Is that the, fi- the, the photography part of your practice? Part of it. Yeah. Yes. A lot, some of, mm, a lot of photography comes from images I find online or images I've taken that aren't intentionally for a sculpture, but I look back at them in a way that sort of um, decontextualizes them because now they, they were for something, like that maybe I took a picture of something to send to someone for like, oh, this is what the um, chair looks like if you need reference, and then the chair becomes, then that picture becomes a picture abstracted. Yeah. I also go on Craigslist a lot and take images from people posting stuff for sale the things that they're selling yeah yeah or interiors of people's homes yeah because there's a way they're taking the picture that is really specific it's like to show but what if the picture is just the picture yeah or the image itself and so that kind of duality i'm really interested in in like re-seeing the way something's supposed to be seen mm-hmm. and then where where does writing fit in i mean because there's i mean there is some text in some of your pieces yeah uh it's funny because yeah. writing there's a difference between, I think, using language as an object and the writing writing I've done. Um, language and words, I think, are used in a way that I treat as material and um, and symbols as opposed to them actually being com- a form of communication or telling a story. Um, and I definitely... Ri- I haven't been writing recently, but I definitely write... And I, I see it, I, you know, I don't share it very often because if it, maybe it feels more vulnerable. There's something really vulnerable about sharing what you've written. Mm-hmm. But there's a feeling I like about the writing and how it could infer to my work. I, I, it's often, like, dystopic and um, funny and weird. Is it kind of fiction or, yeah, yeah? like, yeah. short story? Is yeah. it narrative-based? I also, and also I've... I wrote this one thing. I haven't finished it yet, but it's basically talking about measurements and cooking, like how to cook. But it's this sort of breakdown of purchasing things and your choices of measurement and food. And it sounds really bland, but actually it's... The way I write is sort of erratic and manic. So it's... I think it's funny, but... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sh- I want to do something with it. I, I am not sure what. Yeah. Um, you know, th- I, I feel like these these different approaches manifest in the work in the three-dimensional work like there's elements of photography embedded into the work these works on your wall do have um 
the written word involved in the form of the names, pe- and people's yeah. names. So there, it does seem like there's a reliance on these distinct or discrete things. Mm-hmm. Do is there like a little hierarchy in, in in your mind or in your practice in terms of which comes first, which comes second, the, or, or like yeah. how do they how do they actually, bridge into each that's other? That's a really good question because I actually kind of try to make no like make them all fluid, mm-hmm. like thinking about almost everything as its own photograph because in a photograph everything is on the same plane like suddenly the person is the same as the I don't know garbage can that they're standing next to and thinking about material and object and drawing and text all kind of in the same world in these sculptures obviously there's they're physical but I think that in these environments that I make I try to like see and unsee them all the time yeah you know, maybe we could take a second to talk about these works that you've just finished. Sure. That are right in front of us now. Um, I would classify these as sculpture, but they involve some of the things we just talked about. Like each of these um, sculptures have photographs that have been embedded into them in different ways. Mm-hmm. Do you want to describe for listeners what these things look like sure that's a i think kind of a valuable yeah. exercise yeah so they're based around these numbers i've made one has a number two and one has a number five and they're big well the two smaller than the five but they're made physical so they're like um one is like three feet tall the other's like two feet tall and they're sitting on platforms made out of tile and they're both made out of tile the number and the platform as if the platform sort of the number sort of seeps into the platform as if they're not, they're extensions of it. Yeah. And in this way, it may be even invisible and acting like a number would, which is just to signify something else in some sense. But they're the most physical, they're one of the most physical things in the sculpture. And then that, that base is then sitting on another platform, which is made out of laminate. And they're both, both sculptures have the same laminate, same tile. Um, which is sort of like a speckled laminate. And then they have this extension, which is, it sounds really crazy the more I explain it. (laughs) Um, This extension, which is like two um, inset uh, holes, I guess, for trash. So there's two trash bags inside each hole, Uh but they're very specific color. Um, And you can't see what's, they're tied up. So they're like ready to be thrown away. And then on the, another popped out extension so there's a those are inset into the the laminate then the other sections popped out and it has a like a plastic tub that you like a storage tub but it's tupperware thing. tupperware yeah like and um it's full of salt pepper and then like other things that kind of look like salt and pepper but they're not like the same shape and size but one's like a hand sanitizer and the other looks like some kind of face yeah. wash thing. little vessels little vessels yeah. and those are embedded in a pool of resin so it looks like something spilled or just another material that yeah that that area uh as soon as i came in looked like the thing i find when my basement floods yeah it's like a plastic container that had these salt and pepper shakers with like gray water right uh, it's like, like what? just <laughs> At just what point? above like the midway point right. almost when does this happen yeah yeah um What's the scenario? But um, then offshoot of that is a very specifically made area for post-it, like a three by four or two by four size inches post-it note. And it has a drawing of a golden retriever on it. And then uh, beyond the uh, five is a um, 
a photograph of a, um, a hamburger and french fries on a plate that I took with a, my flash in a dark restaurant. Yeah, it's like half-eaten, kind of yeah. kind of sloppy. Yeah, and that's the, that's the number five. Um, the two is similar. Yeah. Two is made of, of stairs. So the two sits on the third stair of four stairs. So it's like a sculpture that's a four stairway, and it sits on a little base. And the stairs are slightly slanted downward. Like you can kind of almost barely tell in some way. But then there's a, also another tub but that one has the trash bag in it. It's a yellow trash bag. And then underneath, uh, and then in the base, there's two, there's a salt and pepper shaker that are embedded in the bottom right corner. And then the other side, which is not quite done, but yes, almost done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few words that were repeated as you described, I noticed. Tiers or levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are staggered, right? The, the two, the, the, the form of the number two is... Yeah on the third step or of a set of four stairs right. there's a few different levels or planes that uh the five piece is involving there's like some really tight carpentry and building going on and then there's also some like wonkiness like these these stairs aren't level on right. some of them so there's like this mix of of kind of like foolish carpentry but with really tight carpentry right i imagine that's intentional yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're, the surfaces are different. You've got these tiled areas. You've got these laminate areas that are like the, you know, acrylic countertop from the 80s. And then these salt and pepper shakers kind of like placed throughout summer, like in the resin in these Tupperwares. You've got the garbage bags, the photographs, the drawings. There's like a lot of uh, uh, access points in these pieces. Yeah. I imagine that viewers ask you a lot of questions about these yeah yeah what or are, they ask me nothing or they ask they you stare nothing. at it and they're confused yeah i mean that's like <laughs> that's like the 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 sort of cliche fear of of not knowing i think yeah when it comes to contemporary art or yeah. things that's not that don't have like explicit definitions behind them yeah are there questions that people ask you about these like what was what's the salt shaker mean and yeah. i, I want to be careful because i don't think these things ne- necessarily need to be explained. Right, no. Because I think there's a futility in explaining I agree. Um, Over conceptual art I, at a certain yeah. point. Yeah, because I think that whatever you feel and think for the most part is correct because so much of this is inferred from the way that I felt and thought about things around me. So yeah. this is just my sort of like, I'm not telling you something that's a truth. I'm just asking a question or posing a question and you pick what you want that to be about. That being said, I still, a lot of the things I consider, I can tell you that maybe that's better way of approaching it. For sure. Um, Is the idea of hierarchy and value and what we consider true or good or having meaning or being precious as opposed to something that we would dispose of or get rid of and or don't see. I think a lot of like the sort of like peripheral of our world is something that I'm really interested in because I think it's the foundation for everything else in some ways. And these sculptures specifically, I think, and I think actually, you know, a lot of my work is dealing with a kind of, uh, I mean, it's about the sort of like, within the work there's, I would try to sort of, get rid of this sort of hierarchy, even though there are these all insets and raises and things, but it's so sort of balanced in its own way that you can't tell what the thing is that we're supposed to be focused on because there isn't necessarily one. Well, there's a lot of entry points too. As I mentioned, you've got the drawing, the the ready-made, 
the built, the photograph. Right. And, and then the five in and of itself being some kind of value system, yeah. some kind of five stars, numer- yeah, or yeah. even the two, like, and then th- in relationship to two, what does that mean? And this sort of like, um, kind of projection that we put on these things. But I think also just, uh, a lot of it's coming from kind of, I mean, whatever's left of some kind of middle class type of person and the way that people live when everything will always be renovated, everything will always be changing. There's a sort of important, impermanence to the kind of lifestyle that maybe not even I mean that maybe just most Americans live which is throwing out and changing and throwing out and changing time to update because right uh, there's something that's new in vogue right and then but then also all of that comes down to a kind of idea of choice and choosing who we are because we can constantly define and redefine ourselves um, so the salt and pepper cha- shakers, like making your food your own in some ways or yeah. your choice. Customizing of, the flavor. Exactly. Yeah. And or heightening the flavor. Right. And then even like the, I mean, the, all of this is very loose. Like this is not, I'm not saying like this is the final interpretation of something, but like even like the golden retriever, I initially put that there because I just thought a, I needed a drawing. And then I thought there's something sort of absurd about this kind of, um, it's funny, we were talking about this earlier, but just this preciousness of like getting your dog, a portrait of your dog. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but then the dog, the golden retriever, it's a, it's a breed of a, it's a stereotype of a certain kind of class in America, having this dog, like this dog says this about this family, you know, like this says what about me? Everything just kind of redefines identity and self. And, you know, the objects have no say in this at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing I think that's um, worth noting is these are three-dimensional objects. One right. can walk around them. So depending right. on how a viewer approaches these, you're going to be presented with this level first versus that level second. So there's a right. hierarchy to how you experience these, experience these based on how you physically approach them. Right. And I think that yeah. they're also there's something slightly narrative about them too, that the idea of at what point did the drawing happen? At what point did the trash go in there? One of the, and then there's a third potential vessel that's closed off. Like, and I almost thought of that as like out of order, like not working, you know, this sort of, and there's this, uh, I guess like freezing of time and space that's happening. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, enough mystery in this too, to, you know, there is like the suggestion of a narrative. I definitely sense that. Um, but parsing it out is maybe where the fun lies uh, yeah. for me as a viewer. And, oh, yeah. and that goes back to, you know, this stuff that we do is, is inexplicable a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the meaning is, is, can be distant or elusive. Yeah. And, um, that's one of the things I appreciate about these works. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's helpful. It's funny cause the five was sort of so hard for me to make because I think I needed another sculpture to reiterate the logic, which is just the materials and the idea of something being formal in order to get to reaccess it. So as soon as I started finishing the second one, I started, I finished the five because I understood it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And together, can these make a 25? Like, they're, they're individual pieces. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, I think that's also kind of why I made one small, like they can, I guess they could, but they're, they are very separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's our, the numbers, they don't mean anything. They're sure. just numbers. Sure. Sure. You know, uh, the last thing I want to say about these before, uh, we pivot to some other topic, um, as someone who spent, um, a, a lot of time in, in my 
20s and 30s in downtown areas of cities skateboarding yeah there's something about like the 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 architecture of these in terms of like plazas in front in in front of big corporate buildings with even the numbers like that's how they announce their address like these big kind of macho number forms but they're very interior as well and then they're also sort of like you kind of can't place them contextually in the world it's funny yeah uh, that's funny. Just skate if you want to skateboard on them, you can. Well, I mean, yeah, they they were like adjacent to the stairs we were jumping down or something. Right. Like these massive numbers. Right, right, that, right. That correlate with the street address. Totally. Right? Yeah, I know what you're uh, talking about. Uh, and they were always three dimensional, almost almost kind of freestanding like this, like on a ledge yeah. or something. No, I think I actually was just uptown and I saw. I get triggered every time I see a big number now because <laughs> I'm like, oh, it like it, it's almost like it, I forgot that it existed as a as a thing. Yeah. Um, I almost thought of them a little bit too as like, I mean, they're not this, but like Muppets or something, like kind of like having this sort of weird pathos that isn't there. Like there's Oh, like this is like the number five. Yeah. 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 yeah and it's yeah. a character. Yeah. 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 I get that. I yeah. get that. Let's talk about your biography. And you grew up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about um, some of your inputs in terms of things that may have nudged you to consider being an artist when you were younger? Yeah. Was it was art a, uh, a part of your life when you were growing up as a kid? Definitely. I think um, my parents were... I took a ton of art classes when I was a kid at this place um, called the Hundred and Art Museum in Clinton, New Jersey. And um, I took I took everything. I am, like, all different kinds of classes. I really like comic book class. And I made a lot of comic books as a kid. Um and I would make like image and words. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And I also would make little newspapers all the time. And I would like, which is so funny because it really is. So just exactly the same thing. But um, yeah, so that was like a huge influence. And then so my my family was pretty like my immediate family was, um, you know, like not it wasn't it was the house was clean, but it was like cluttered and everyone's doing their thing. And my parents didn't care about like having nice dinner. We didn't, you know, we were just a little normal family, I guess. And my, but my grandmother was very stylish woman and she had art and like love. I don't know. She just, she would take us to art museums and stuff like that. My parents really, they would drop us off places, but they would never spend a lot of time with us. So, um, she was the one who really like brought us, you know, I got to the, went to the Met with her. Your grandmother. Yeah. My grandmother. Um, yeah, the, my grandmother, my grandfather was a P at the end of his life was a painter. So he was really into buying us art supplies and like making us make a fake Jackson Pollock when we were like six years, seven oh, years that's old. Fun. Yeah, that's fun. It's, it's terrible. But yeah. <laughs> and setting up his hats on a table and asking us to paint them and like make these like still, as a still life. Yeah. Oh, cool. So we have these like weird. They're actually kind of cool now. There's just hats floating in space. You um, still have the paintings. Yeah, we do. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I feel like last time we were talking, you mentioned that you were the kid that was breaking everything or disassembling everything. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. um, I still find that that happens. But um, yeah, I would just, I love to go through everything in my parents' house. I love to, I just handled everything really aggressively. I broke stuff all the time. Um, And uh, I mean, our house was subject to it. We had like three dogs and two cats and me, my brother, my sister, and... Um, Sounds like an active place. It was, yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know. 
and, and my house was so unorganized in this really funny, interesting way. And the way my mom sort of organized the house was very kind of straightforward but haphazard. So, like, plants were potted in yogurt containers and, like, um, we one point ran out of bowls, not because we didn't have the money to buy bowls, but we just didn't have any, so we just used mugs, and that was what we used because that was fine. It's like if this it is works, problem it works. Solving and yeah. repurposing things that are around. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, that was, <laughs> I think, influential. I think like the way of relooking at materials and objects, and like kind of like non-consideration and considerate, like the idea that the yogurt container is not trash. But all the bowls are trash. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's kind of a punk ethos in that, too, in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, like a hippiness or something. Yeah, hippiness. I think, yeah. There's a lot of crossover between punks yeah, and hippies. I think so, too. I, I think both parties probably want to argue with that point. But yeah. um, let's get back into some of the work that you've made over the, the past handful of years. Sure. Um, one, of the, one of the forms that I wanted to... Um, talk about where these, and I'm not, uh, this is what I'm going to describe. They're, 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 they're wall works that have what I would describe as a shelf or a mantle mm. attached to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, 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 the face is often, a, a an, an, it includes an image, mm-hmm. a photograph, or maybe there's some drawing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little shelf at the bottom edge of it is, I think from, from what I remember is tiled. But then on the ledge are objects, and these might be things that uh, from your collection or you or you found. Um, am I misremembering or misdescribing? I think you're combining those? two sculptures. Okay. One is a the wine label sculptures, which are these UV printed. Um, I've designed them on the computer, but they're and again like collected images from the internet and stuff like that, and they're based on they're based on. Um, Wine labels, basically, and the language of labels, but specifically wine. And um, they are like 36 by 24 inches, and they're all the same. And they sit in these tiled shelves, and um, they don't actually... So they look like language, but they don't really say anything at all, actually. And um, it was this... I was just interested in... Because I realized that you look at the labels, but you just feel it. You don't read it and the feeling of language and the feeling of of just font structures and like the you know font and um, composition and layout and how we infer what it's saying or who the audience is but it's not for us but we feel it instead Um, so that was I was interested in that and then just also the wine in and of itself the sort of connotations of wine um, the, it as a, as a class object, the sort of value systems within that. Yeah, it's a signifier. Yeah, and um, the historical implications of it, and I think you don't. I don't know if, if everyone quite gets that. There, I think you. I I do because oh, there's also government warning and stuff on it. So I think you infer that it's wine or alcohol mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have a bunch of those. I've been doing those cons- pretty consistently for the past like three or years. Yeah. Uh, and then do the ledges or the little shelves below them? Yes. Do they so have objects on them? Am I? Uh, they have sometimes, some of them have ceramic, um, objects embedded in them. Okay. That's what I'm yeah. picturing. And, um, not all of them. And, uh, but it, it's dependent. So that, that I think is another thing about the work as much as it's based on conceptual ideas. I think a very, all my work, it's, 
the only sort of concrete logical thing to me is the formality of things, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily logical. That again is just feeling, but like even with the five, it's so everything about it, all of the objects are pretty absurd, but it's formal. You know, there's a very specific formal consideration for everything based on nothing but impulse, you know, and that in and of itself is interesting to me, too, that what what is that, you know? Yeah. You know, we've talked, uh, I feel I feel like this idea of choice has come up a couple of times in this yeah. conversation. I want to I want to get more granular on this notion of choice, whether it's choices we're making in a wine shop based off these feelings that we're having um, to sort of suggest back to these pieces you were making. Mm-hmm. Versus choices that we're making when we're looking at a restaurant menu, right? for example. Yeah. Um, or the choices that we're making in the course of a day. Uh, right. the, what outfit we're going to put on or what aspect of the work uh, in our studios we're going to focus on or something like this. Yeah. You know, and what inform those choices. Or maybe you could just talk about how you view choices and, and, and how they connect to our, deni- our, our identities yeah. in these ways. I think... From I, I guess I just see the absurdity, in, or I'm uh, interested in the absurdity of it in some sense that, like, being a consumer, purchasing something, and then that thing is you. This defines me. This jacket is me. Um, this uh, meal choice is me. Like, but that they become you in this one moment. Like, this is you. This is my, um, asso- like, this is associated with me. All of a sudden, it's an inanimate object, and it does nothing, and it just exists, and then... I don't know. And then you change it and you slowly, sh- I mean, it, it's a very simple concept in some ways, but there's something about it that feels just sort of, I guess it's like the symbolic language of objects and how they can become us. And suddenly it's like choice just seems completely overwhelming and I can't make it anymore. And yeah. um, I think it's funny cause I think I definitely struggle with choosing things or just like, I, I, I feel like I like when the choices are just all made for me. Um, but also this, like, I think choice, it's like all this world that we live in. It's ba- like all of our advertising now is based on our consumer choices. Like it hears us and and this kind of like not wanting to participate. And like the most antisocial thing you could do is not have choices, maybe in some ways. Or like, most free- like the form of freedom is no choice to me at this point. Huh. Be- you know, because it's like you can totally define yourself in every possible way possible for everything you can possibly have. And I don't know what kind of color I am. I don't know what kind of shape thing I want. So just give me a thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. No, I, 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 I can understand that. Yeah. And, you know, the sort of overwhelming, uh, of, of choice sometimes. Um, and I'll, and I'll circle back to making art in yeah, the studio. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we, you know, there's endless possibilities. One, one way to look at it is there's endless possibilities in what we could do and what we could make and the materials that we could like put together and do that. Mm-hmm. And how do we kind of like funnel in and yeah. get specific and focus? It's really kind of about focus. Right. And, and, and so I think about the choices I make in studio and why, and if, are there any, any sort of systems or strategies where I can have some other thing make that choice for me. Right. Um, I don't know if you ever set yourself up for, or, or you have strategies for other people or things to make choices for you. Like sometimes I'll, oh. I'll put an image on a computer and like paint, like Photoshop mm. drop paint mm-hmm. bucket yeah, tool yeah, yeah. on one section. That's, that's the shape I'm going to paint. And that's, right. that's oh. the, that, the, 
the way Photoshop is seeing this image or creating a boundary that's going to hold a color. Right. That made the choice for me. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. No, no. That's a long-winded way to... No, I, I totally understand. Yeah. I think that that actually helped me understand. I think a lot of it is, I mean, one, money. So if I can, like, if something has to be... Affordability. Affordable, yeah. I will do that. Um, I think, like, let's say I have only this much of something. That's the size the thing will be. You know, that's something. But then... Also, just sort of void of decision-making is also another thing I do, which is, I think, partially why there isn't a lot of color in my work or the palette's really subdued is because I don't want to be specifically saying something. Like, there's some, like there's a lot of associations with, like, very like gesture and color are very synonymous. And I also think more about, like, artistic choice. And if there isn't really a lot of color, that's already checked that box isn't checked. So yeah. we're already off to a good start. Yeah. Um, I understand that. Yeah, someone yeah, sometimes yeah. Make bl makes just black and white based stuff. Yeah. I don't want to deal with the choice of color. Yeah. But color is something I wanted to talk to you about. Cause I think that's consistent through the work that you've made in the past, you know, handful of years that I've seen Yeah. is this sort of avoidance of, um, saturated tones. Mm -hmm. it, it's from where I stand, you are utilizing, uh, colors and tones of things that, it's like the the color of the material is the color of the thing, right? So right. like wood, like the color of wood, like a, the color of a two by four, right. the like putty color, uh, these beiges, these sort of neutral khakis mm -hmm. seem like consistent throughout. Uh, uh, even the sort of like sort of foggy green of that uh, salt shaker yeah. uh, like has a, has a, evocative tone to it that I that I can associate with this kind of beige tile work mm -hmm. um, I guess you sort of unpacked where these colors come from as a way to like avoid making choices yeah. or you don't want to be too evocative in terms of right. what that color red might suggest I also think that they have the connotation of time yeah and that gives them a value like I think that then you're already able to accept something because it's faded it's been here a long time okay we've gotten past the idea that it's not something I have to give judgment towards or decide its value because time has allowed that to happen. So then there's that point and then we go into the sculpture. Um, like when something's so new, it's almost, it's just non-existent in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I think there's also a, a kind of maturity to the, to the, you know, the, the zone of colors that mm. you're utilizing. Mm -hmm. um, and also I like this idea of just honoring the object. You know, mm. you're not applying color over the top of a surface. Um, you're allowing that tone, that beige, that khaki, that putty color to, to survive on its own. Yeah, I think that's a nice honoring the object um, because I, I, that is a nice thing to say because I think that there's something to be said about me. Like, who am I? It's like, yes, I made this sculpture and yes that's that's a thing but but who am i to just gesture something yeah, and say yep it, yeah. i made this precious and incredible and i think that i have a hard time with that like and you know you're a painter but i used to make paintings like a long time ago not that long ago but i ne i always i never had any brush strokes in them like in this way that it was like you want them very flat yeah i didn't want any imprint of myself in it I just want you to see the thing. I'm just here to show you the thing. Yeah. That's yeah. like my job. So and touch is removed. Yeah. 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 This is a tricky question, but I'm going to put it out there. Okay. If you could be a different type of artist other than a contemporary artist or a sculptor, you just said mm -hmm. you used to be a painter. Yeah. Um, if you could switch identities, 
Yeah. What would you choose? I wish, you know, sometimes I do, I don't know if this is an artist. I guess they are other artists. Um, I guess it doesn't even have to be an artist. artist like, like if what you could just be? be someone else. Oh, wow. Oh, now it's I just opened it up. Now, now you have too many really choices. Really hard. <laughs> um, well, I can tell you lots of things. I really love to watch ice skating videos. And I don't necessarily want to be an ice skater. But like figure skating? Yeah. Okay. I, it is like the most exciting thing in the world to me to watch ice skating. So, um, and it looks so fun and it's so fluid and to the, and like that they danced, they do it to like the very specific music and, um, I really love it. I don't know, you know, maybe I'd enjoy it watching it so much. I don't need to be it, but I don't watch it very often, but I really do get obsessed when I get obsessed with it. I would also, I mean, anthropologist maybe, or like, I would like to um, work with animals or, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Probably rescue animals, maybe. Let's talk about uh, the pursuit of making and being an artist um, and when we're satisfied. I mean, sometimes I, I feel like I'm on a chase, uh, I'm, 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 uh, but I don't know what I'm chasing. I, I'm trying to get to a place where I'm satisfied yeah. w- with, the th- with the thing it is that I'm making when it's not keeping me up at night anymore, like I'm at this level of content and happiness. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think uh, as as visual artists and thinkers and overthinkers, um, those things get away, like the, the satisfaction and happiness component are, are a, a reach yeah. for me. Um, I'm just wondering when you are satisfied in here being an artist or when the work is satisfying you yeah. and when you're happy. I think when it's done is definitely, I mean, and it's a lot to ask for. I have worked, these pieces in particular, I worked on over a year, which is crazy. And I mean, I made other things and at the same time, but I would not give up on them. And they were so many different iterations and I was very unhappy. And it's crazy because it's like this thing that could offer you a lot of happiness. Most of the time leaves you really unhappy and struggling and emotional and frustrated and, because it's not coming how, out yeah. how you want Yeah, and it's like you don't know what you want. And you can't, if only, I remember just always thinking, if I only knew what the thing was, if I only knew what it was, like what? And I just have to just keep making and unmaking. And I think that's become a huge part of my process, which is making, I can't, it's like I can't draw it. I can draw it. I'll draw things and I'll do stuff on SketchUp, but I make and unmake so much. I make and like tedious, very specific objects for objects and then realize they're not right take them out redo it redo something else and it's time consuming and obviously costs a lot but um and these in particular definitely that was the way yeah 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 the economics of being an artist um can get in the way of the happiness yeah. quota and the satisfaction co- quota which you've mentioned a couple times in here but yeah, yeah the cost of this stuff is yeah um an obstacle for sure you know, we started off talking about museums right. uh, and, and being observers of art and right. consuming art. What was the last great piece of culture that you experienced, whether it was a book or a film? Oh, great uh, news. I just read a great book. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I've already told like 10,000 people about. So listeners, if you're <laughs> one of them, I'm sorry. But um, I just read this book by Eugene Martin called Firework. He's not that well-known of an author, um, but this book was like one of the best books I've ever read. It's dark and funny fiction fiction. And the way he writes is 
he's telling it's a story, but he leaves out so much of what the thing, what is actually the thing that's happening. And it's just, you're told it all through third person, I think third person. So it's like, he talks about, it's only ever through Jelinek, who's the main character, um, and what he thinks and sees. And um, it's just, it's like a beautiful way of like seeing the world and reading the world. And um, again, it's dark, but it's also incredibly uplifting at the end, even though it's incredibly disturbing. It's, it's amazing. I couldn't say enough good things about this book. So That's great. What about future projects? I know these two works are going to be in a show forthcoming yeah. very soon yeah. at Bureau. Yeah. Um, but what about other things that you're working towards? If you're comfortable talking yeah. about them, whether yeah. they're real or just like in the back of the head, like, oh, I really want to yeah. build a treehouse in Brazil or, you know, yeah. I don't know. That was a ridiculous no, example, no, no. but it could be like outrageous. Yeah. Even if, I, I if it's in a, there. I do have an outrageous idea. Um, well, one, maybe, well, one part I won't say because I think I'm actually going to do it. So I, I don't know if I want to talk yeah, about it yet, yeah, yeah. but the other is, I don't know if it actually can happen. So I'll just say it, which is I want to collaborate with um, Levi's and get them to make me a very, a few pairs of extremely long jeans and then work with those and make a sculpture with them. So about these long jeans. So that's like, like really long, like 12 feet long. Yeah. Um, for no other reason, except that I think it's kind of funny, yeah. but also I think that jeans it's just such a beautiful, weird, specific, and again, peripheral object you don't see, but you see it all the time sort of thing. You know, yeah. they, they exist in the world of the water bottle and the garbage bag and the tile. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. There's something about them that I would like to work with. That's fantastic. Yeah. Doesn't Levi's have some sort of arts I know. scholarship program? I know that family collects art. Or oh, I, I, well, I, I, I emailed someone. They gave me a phone number I can call. I, I just feel like, is there a way I could not pay for it? Is what right, I'm hoping, because right. I imagine it'd be really expensive. Um, like, I, because I can't obviously make them, but um, it doesn't have to be Levi's, but because it's such a big brand. And yeah. I did know that they did stuff with art, I think, in the back of my head. That maybe yeah, they'd be like, sure, this costs us nothing. There's Here an you echo go. in there, and I don't. Yeah, you know, that's why I pulled it up. But, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So maybe I don't know. I um, that's that's on my to do list is contact uh, Levi's giant jeans. <laughs> giant jeans. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Libby, thank you for having me to your yeah, studio. This is it's great. been so nice to talk through these and around these. Yeah. Um, and learn more about your work. The forms are. Uh, really wonderful to take in and um, I love all the access points and I'm excited to see these um, in a formal gallery Me space too. I cannot wait uh, but thank you for participating in this yeah. project and let's go figure skating yeah let's go <laughs> don't figure skating I'm probably <laughs> terrible actually <laughs> thanks Libby yeah thank you we've made it to the end a quick reminder that Deep Color is independently produced and a free resource for listeners. Help support and sustain this project by making a donation online at deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also learn more about each contributing artist, find links to their online portfolios, and access the archive of past recordings. Be sure to share this project within your community and subscribe and rate in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for listening and check back soon for a new episode.